Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington, this is Physical Culture Radio. I am your super dope host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook. Along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds, lead Mountain Dog Diet Trainer. Chris, how are we doing today? I just woke up from a nap, man. I'm doing great. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a little jealous because I was scrambling around downtown Seattle looking for a lightning adapter for my iPhone 10 uh, to hook into the headphones down here in the studio. So I've been chasing my tail all morning since training clients uh, at 6 a.m. And you got to eat and nap. So <laughs> yeah. I wonder who's going to fucking grow today and who's not. <laughs> I have an, an inkling it may be me. <laughs> yeah, maybe you. Yeah, I, I think you're on a little bit better of a track and path for for the gains lately, just to be quite honest. Um, so guys, what, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, resistance training um, applications, technique and theory uh, in, in, in training for not only uh, bodybuilding, but but athletics and sport in general. Uh, what do you think about this topic and the difference between the two? And then uh, let's talk about um, John Meadows uh, and, and your guys' latest release with, with the Odin Force programming uh, related to this topic, Chris. Sure. Um, so as you guys know, um, our feature program over the last couple months has been Colossus, which is a low volume, high intensity training program. Um, it's a six, that's a six week program. Odin Force is also six weeks, and it's designed to be followed up after Colossus. So essentially what we do for six weeks is we make you crank intensity, but really low volume on a push-pull leg split. Um, and then we come right back at the next six weeks with very, very high volume. Um, now, the intensity is still there, but not in the same capacity. And the intensity will build over the course of the six weeks. Um, the training split's actually really cool. It's a four-day uh, rotation. So some weeks you okay. hit legs twice. Some weeks you hit back twice. Some weeks you hit chest and shoulders twice. Um, so um, if you guys go to my Instagram, you'll see the training split over the course of the six weeks um, if you're interested in the fine and minutiae detail. But the grand scheme of it is it's very, very high volume. Um, you, it will take a considerable amount of time in the gym, even if you move at a fast click. So, um, you know, just might want to plan ahead of time before that. I can tell you that coming off of Colossus, the first couple of weeks, you will be so fucking sore because you aren't used to that much volume. Um, so it'll be a cool stimulus for right. new growth. Um, and, and as you guys know, as you've heard Greg and I talk hundreds of times at this point, um, I'm a volume guy. So this one, this is a fun program. You guys will enjoy it. Yeah. So, uh, quick question about, um, I mean, I know the theory behind it as far as the push pull legs and not separating workouts down into also like buys and tries and shoulders and triceps and, and breaking down into smaller body parts and just doing a push day. So when you're talking push day, you're talking chest, shoulders and triceps, correct? Yes. When you're talking pull day. You're talking back and biceps collectively. So pretty much training the whole body in, in these three different workouts. Yep. Is that my understanding? That's 100% correct. Okay. On your three base days, you will cover every single body part. And that includes abs and calves. 
Okay. So then some days or some weeks you get one full day off, some you get two, or is it always two days off if you're training the whole body in three? Okay. So with, well, let me back up a little bit. With Rotates. Yeah, okay, of course. With Colossus, um, how it worked is you had three, your your three base days, your push, your pull, and your legs. Um, And then you could auxiliary uh, hit pump days that you chose. Now, we included all three pump days, so for push, pull, and legs. And you could create your own split based upon the areas you want to bring up. With this program, um, it's a little bit different. So if you, I'm, I'm going to go through the first two weeks with you guys because it just rotates three times. So on, in block one, uh, the high intensity technique that we're using along with volume is going to be cluster sets. Um, and if any of you guys follow uh, Dr. Scott Stevenson, uh, it falls right in line with his training protocols of fortitude training. Um, so on Monday, you would do legs on Tuesday, you would do push on Wednesday, you would do pull. And then you take an off day on Thursday and you come back on Friday, hit a pump leg day. And then on Saturday, hit a, um, push pump day, take Sunday off. The so explain, explain to people what the technique of cluster sets yeah. is involved okay. in doing that. So cluster sets are, um, six mini sets of four with 10 to 15 second rest periods. Um, sometimes as much as 45 second rest periods. So you take a load that you can hit for roughly 10 to 15 reps at a max, and then you do it for six mini sets of, uh, or sorry, yeah, six mini sets of four to six. And then on your last set, you would go to absolute failure. So if you get to your sixth set and you can do more than four or six, you just bomb it out. Um, it is a huge pump technique. It is very hard. It is very challenging. And if you choose the weight correctly, it's really yeah. great. So if you notice on week one, you have two off days, which are Thursday and Sunday. And then you would you would get a pump day of legs and a pump day of push. On week two, it's going to be three off days where you hit pull twice. So you only hit legs once and push once on week two. And then you'll hit your pull days twice and then have three off days. And that simply just rotates. So for weeks one, uh, three and five, you'll have two off days. And for weeks two, four and six, you'll have three off days. Um, so yeah, you kind of rotate through, which is really, really cool. Um, and, and again, you will need those three days off if you really go bananas. Cause it's, again, it's super high volume and it will be a shock to most people's system. Right. So this is kind of, uh, a branch off of what, people would typically do with an extended rest pause uh, technique or kind of drop set as well too. So if you do a set and then you drop the weight, do another set, drop the weight, do another set, you're going to be resting sometimes 10 to 15 seconds while you drop a plate or two and then hop back on or drop the plates on a machine and then do more reps. Except this is with a specific amount of interval and then you're staying at that same weight you just choose a lighter weight no, to you do these clusters you stay at the same weight so you maintain a weight for all okay. six mini sets um even though that counts only as one work set within the training session um so if i, gotcha. I i'll give you guys a little bit more details as well so i don't want to i want to be fully transparent so for block one that's one yep. weeks weeks one and two that'll be cluster sets is your intensity technique on block two which is weeks uh three and four we use drop sets, and then for weeks five and six, we use partials and ISO holds. So again, you're not yeah. only are you rotating your training split every other week, you're also rotating your intensity techniques as the volume grows throughout the program. So you have constant stimulus within those six weeks to really force growth, um, which is super badass. I'm telling you, you guys will, it, it's a punch in the face, and you will love it. 
And I, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned how the, the constantly changing the stimulus. I think one of the things that a lot of people do is they get caught up in doing leg days on a certain day, chest days, you know, push days, pull days, back days. Um, the problem is people do the same thing over and over and over again, and yep. your body in five to seven workouts of the same thing will attenuate and get used to any one stimulus that you're providing it. So I think the, the good thing about this system and this programming is it systematically changes that for you. So you never get stuck in a rut. Right. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. And you're constantly, yep. It yep. will, it will, it will constantly, constantly keep you off guard. Now within each one of those two week blocks, we try to keep the exercises very similar. Um, so you might be meadows rowing twice in a week. You might be doing rack pulls twice in a week. Um, so it's familiar exercises every two weeks, but at the same time, you like really max out those exercises with volume, but also with load. So this is kind of a combination of, of all of the programs, in my opinion, combined. Um, again, it's high volume. It is not high frequency. And that's what a, something that a lot of times people get confused with our programs. High frequency is to us is when you hit the same body part three to four times over the course of a week. No body part in this program gets hit three to four times. It's a high volume, not high frequency. So I just wanted to make that delineation. Right. Gotcha. And uh, so in talking about these techniques, um, where would bands and chains fit into this or would they fit into this or would this be in a different setting that you would actually apply bands and some different techniques? Um, So ever since program four, um, which is, it's called an indomitable, um, which is a total band program that John designed. um, And honestly, it's another one that's just absolutely bananas and fun to do. Um, We have bands in every single training program in some capacity or another. We also have options for chains. Um, And that kind of segues us into what we're talking about. So let's let's back up before I get into that. And and let's kind of talk about, at least in my opinion, um, what it is, what it means, and, you know, who brought it to the forefront. And and to me, you know, that's what's called accommodating resistance. So what what is accommodating resistance? What's the, what, what does that even mean or stand for? Um, if you think about an exercise and I'm going to use the uh, squat as an example, if you think about the strength curve of a barbell back squat or yoke bar or spider bar, doesn't matter which, um, when you're standing at full lockout, that's when you can hold the most load. When you're in the bottom of the movement, meaning when your glutes are close to your calves, that's where you're the weakest. So as you progress down, you are losing strength. Um, or on the flip side, if you talk about on the reverse, in the bottom, you are the weakest. The more every inch you stand up, it gets easier because you become stronger within the strength curve. So if you think about right. that, it kind of it, it looks like a bell. Um, so you start out strong. It goes weak, 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 weak. And then when you're on your way up, it comes stronger, 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 strongest. Um, so if you yeah. think about that, you could probably unrack 800 pounds on your back. Could you squat it? hamstrings to calves no um in the mid-range how much could you quarter squat you could probably quarter squat 600 right but to get to a full depth squat you can maybe only do 400 so if you think about that right there, it's not a linear strength um you are losing strength the further you go down on a squat and this, it's the same with the bench press the closer you get to your chest the weaker you will be um the, as you yeah. press up through a bench press you're going to get stronger um so 
with accommodating resistance, meaning bands, chains, or if you think about a piece of equipment like Strive or which is now Prime Fitness, all those green fancy things that you guys see in the really nice gyms or you see John using in the videos, um, you're able to manipulate that strength curve. So if I put chains, let's say two chains per side uh, on a squat with 225 on your back, when you unload it, the top end may be 300 pounds. As you go down in the hole and the chains pile up, at the very bottom, when they're all resting on the ground, you only have 225 pounds on your back. But as you stand up, the chain links come off the ground and they become, you get more load as you stand taller. So I'm essentially doing right. that. I'm flattening the strength curve. If I get my right amount of chains and the right amount of weight, I can make that lift hard from the time you unrack it to the time you go down and the time you come all the way up. There is no loss in power, meaning you do not, it's not one part of the lift isn't easier or harder than the other. It's flat. It's hard from the time you start to the time you finish. Um, and, to, right. and to me, you know, people may argue with me and you know, God knows there might be some weird Russian dude who's been doing this since probably Jesus was born. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but to me, who brought this to the strength community was Louis Simmons at Westside Barbell. So if you think about his system, um, he had dynamic speed work and he had max effort work. And he went to a convention and he saw people using those rubber bands and he thought, huh, what if I put those around the bar on deadlift squats and bench press? What will that do for my athletes? So what he found was that if you put a sub-maximal load on the bar, but put a fuck ton of bands on it, um, and you lifted the weight as fast as you could, and that's what he called and referred to as speed work. Um, it would make you right. extremely strong on those lifts. So one to two days, you would do max effort. One to two days, you would do dynamic to speed or speed work with sub-maximal load, but trying to lift the bar as fast as humanly possible. Um, so what they saw were dudes were just getting bananas strong. Um, so he kind of pioneered that in terms of the strength community. Then you had guys like John Meadows who trained under Louis Simmons at Westside who kind of brought that to the bodybuilding forefront. So he's like, okay, cool. Like chains, bands all make, you know, power lifters stronger. Obviously, as we've talked in previous episodes, the stronger you can make a muscle, the bigger a muscle can be. And he thought, hmm, that's interesting. How can I use this to make my bodybuilder stronger, but at the same time create a hypertrophy response? So we began doing things like reverse bands, using chains on deadlifts, using chains on um, squats. Like one of the crazy programs he had me do was I finished every single back workout with high rep, like 25 plus rep chain deadlifts. And you talking about a ball buster? Jesus Christ. Um, it was Punisher. Yeah. Um, I, no, right. I saw no, I saw the best leg growth period, my entire bodybuilding career doing heavy ass chain squats, uh, with a yoke bar, with a spider bar, with a straight bar. Um, the more chains I got on the bar, the more weight I got on the bar, the bigger my legs grew, 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 and grew. And we would do stiff leg deadlifts with chains and all that kind of fun stuff. So to me, you know, you, we see all these people now reverse banding hack squats. We see people banding machines and they're like, oh, look at this new shit. Listen, I was doing that back with John when I was 24. So I always kind of joke, right. like, people try to act like this is, like, new shit. Like, you know, Louis Simmons was doing this when I was fucking in high school, in middle school. So right. Right. <laughs> it's not new. It just may be newer because not a lot of people, you would see that in the gym. And in my opinion, our goal is to educate people about bands and chains because one of the craziest things I ever had, I posted a video of me doing chain squats and somebody made a comment on there was, you know, it was a really, it was a decent figure competitor said, Oh, why don't you just um, 
put more weight on the bar. All you're doing with those chains is trying to get attention. And I completely destroyed her about flattening the strength curve. And, you know, you, yeah. you can look at that from an outside source and say, oh, yes, trust me, it's very, very loud. You will definitely be noticed when you're using chains that have been in a normal commercial gym. Um, but if you've ever used them, you can be so explosive with them. You can be so powerful, the same way with bands. And that's why, for me, um, I use those with a lot of my athletes. Um, I use it with my bodybuilders, but I, every one of my athletes, we use chains and bands. How about you? I, yeah, I use them a lot at my gym. Okay. Um, I will hook up, e, I will put 150 pound dumbbells next to our power rack and our squat rack. Mm-hmm. And we'll have athletes do squats with them. So when you go down, it deloads. When you come up, obviously the bands get more taut and increase that strength curve. Um, so I do use that techniques. I use it sparingly because most of the people that are working out at my gym um, are just trying to get leaner and in shape. Uh, it's only a specific amount of people that I train kind of on their own and do their own workouts that I train, you know, for MMA and BJJ and that sort of thing, um, athletic wise. But when I do, like I trade my godson, my godson is, um, a defensive lineman for, uh, the Washington state university Cougars here, uh, in the state. And, um, so when, when I train those sort of folks, I use those techniques and I'll do jump, jump squats, oh, yeah. explosive training. I'll, I'll do uh, heavier negatives. I'll do heavy holds. Um, the post activation potentiation, uh, popularized by Travis Mash, who is a descendant from, um, Louis Simmons and trained under Louis Simmons and, uh, trains a lot of Ole lifters and athletes um, himself. So I, I use a lot of those little techniques and, and it works for just people in general. You know, you put a, a, a heavy load on and, and make somebody do a 15 second hold and then wait 60 to 120 seconds and then they do a squat. If they haven't done a hold and then they've done a heavier holds, uh, invariably when they've done that heavy hold and then squat their next triple or whatever you're having them do is going to seem a fuck ton lighter. So I do actually use those techniques, um, periodically with, with, with my people, but especially my athletes, I use a lot of that stuff uh, and I love them. Um, haven't been doing a ton of chains lately. I've been doing more bands and more just explosive worth and more heavy holds and, and partials and things like that. Um, I've also found a big benefit to controlling the negatives and doing some heavier negatives. So one of the things that, uh, uh, coach Chris didn't mention, uh, when you're going down in a negative, you can handle a whole lot more weight, uh, eccentrically than you can concentrically. So you can lower more weight than you can lift. Um, so I take advantage of that by having people do heavy negatives and those heavy partials that don't take them all the way down uh, into the hole. So, for instance, we put blocks on barbells, and then you do a bench or an incline bench, but that block is going to set you anywhere from like four to eight inches above where your chest is at when it hits your chest. So you can handle a heavier amount of weight. Then, you, you know, you can handle a heavier amount of weight in a full rep once you've trained in that manner. So I, I like to use a lot of those techniques. And I, you know, when I first started playing football and even before I even got on my first bodybuilding stage, 
uh, I did some powerlifting events and got into powerlifting and strength training for football, high school and in college. And, um, so I got into a lot of this stuff and, and you know, kind of saw the stuff that Louis Simmons was doing. Um, this is back in like probably when John kind of uh, got on with him in the eighties and was kind of following some of that stuff. I'm not sure when John, uh, was working out with Louis, but, uh, I, I kind of followed some of this stuff in the late eighties, early nineties myself, and then got into powerlifting at that same time. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, problem with, let's let's put this disclaimer out real fast. This is not for beginners. (laughs) I would, I would say this is not even for intermediates. Um, advanced, more advanced level intermediates, you know, you can start to tinker with it. Um, but this is definitely not for beginners. And, And the reason I say that is because there's so much balance and coordination within the muscle that requires to do this. Um, like, you know, even my advanced guys, the first time I had them on rack, a heavy chain squat or a handed, heavy banded barbell bench press, like their muscles are yeah. shaking like crazy. So, oh, yeah. you know, don't take this lightly. If you guys have never tried it, um, you know, less is more start with a little yeah, and then add. Um, I, I feel like we would be shortchanging people if we didn't say that this is a very advanced level technique, um, to really maximize results for a bodybuilder, for an athlete. Um, you know, I'd never take a middle school football player and have them do bands um, for bench press, deadlift, or, or squatting because they're still getting used to the bar. They're still getting used to their bodies. So th- this is for mature level athletes. In my opinion, I probably would, unless I had a very advanced bodied freshman or sophomore who's been lifting since he was probably in the sixth, seventh, or eighth grade, I probably would save the yeah. bands and chains for junior, senior at the, at the earliest um, because you want to maximize what you get out of just straight heavy progressive resistance um, and explosive yeah. work before you ever touch any of the stuff that we're talking about today. Um, yes, yep. it's cool. Yep. Yes, it's going to produce results. Um, but at the same time, like you don't want to uh, to jump to the next level when you aren't ready for it. I mean, I think you agree with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things that um, from an exercise science standpoint um, that you're talking about when you're first getting used to lifting weights. So you have a stress adaptation to lifting before your muscles get bigger, before you create that stressor that actually makes a bigger muscle, there's something that happens inside, um, the nerves and the cells, uh, that's called, uh, neuromuscular adaptation. What that means is your body learns how to fire and synchronize um, the nerves in order to lift a weight and, and, and that's called a neuromuscular adaptation. Uh, so that's going to happen before your muscles get bigger, your muscles learn how to lift the weights. And that, that, that process is not going to happen, um, overnight when you're beginning and, and starting a resistance training program and lifting. So this is, takes time to develop and it takes, you know, repetitions and workouts and weeks and months and years to develop this all, uh, properly. And so then your muscles learn how to just fire in those positions in those movements. Um, so yeah, no, I totally agree. And when I get brand new people in my gym before I have them doing barbell deadlifts, before I have them doing barbell squats and barbell benches and all the main stuff, I, I have them doing basic stuff. So like I'll grab, grab, have them grab one kettlebell and do a goblet squat. 
and just right. teach them the mechanics of a squat before I have them put some on their back right. and teach them a, a, a back squat out of the gates because you have to teach them how to move and how to engage their body and to teach them how to, or have their body learn that neuromuscular adaptations before you start throwing different techniques and advanced techniques and bands and chains and all this crazy shit, because it is very advanced stuff. And if you do this out of the gates with somebody that's eager to do so, you're probably going to hurt them <laughs> right. or you, more, you, more often than not. You know, so. it's, it's very similar with dieting, Greg. Like you wouldn't start someone on 20 grams of carbohydrates if they want to get, if they want to lose fat. In my opinion, because you don't no. want to, you don't want to play all your cards. No, out you wouldn't. But, <laughs> but, but, but then why are there so many people that you know saying, okay, we'll take, we'll do keto and do intermittent <laughs> fasting. Don't eat, don't eat for fourteen hours a day, right. and then just eat for six hours a day, and you'll like. There's so much backwards information out there, yeah. and now we're kind of getting into the rant stuff because you know it, it, there is so much crap out there that people digest. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, you got to stick to the basics. To, to me, that, to me, that um, stems from instant gratification, right? That you listen, if I, th- yeah. if I threw you on keto tomorrow, you would have abs and feathered glutes by shit middle of the next month. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but right. I know in the long term that's not best for your bodybuilding lifestyle and where you're trying to do like, so very similar with, you know, bands and chains. And, and I kind of have a general rule with all of my clients with that before I ever put a band or a chain on and I'm speaking for men specifically, by the way, here, um, I have a rule. If you can't bench press 225 for sets of five, easy to where I don't even have to spot you or think about it. And if you can't squat 315 and deadlift 315 without me having to worry about you, we aren't ready for bands and chains. Um, now, right. some people may say that's those numbers are aggressive. I don't think so. Um, I was doing all three of those numbers in high school. I was doing those easily through college. So... Like if you think about that, handling two twenty five for five, squatting and deadlifting with perfect form for sets of five with three fifteen, that's not a bit. Like, I don't feel like that is unreasonable to say you need to master those numbers before you dream to put bands and chains on. Do you like those numbers, or you think that's too aggressive? What do you think? Well, if 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 you're talking if you're talking guys, I mean, yes. you're also going to get a lot of females training, and obviously their number is going to be different. Their right. weight is different. But if you're talking a 200 pound guy, right. then I think those are, you know, some basic guidelines that you can go by for sure. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I get so many shapes and sizes and, and ability levels and, and, and people in my gym these days, and you get so many people that know they need to work out. And the good thing about social media, the good thing about Facebook and Instagram and people looking is, it does get more people working out and looking and it's pushing people into our industry, pushing people to personal training, pushing people to small group fitness, big box gyms and what have you. That's a good thing. Um, so I like the fact that people will look and go, fuck, I need to get in shape. Look at all these people. Like, this is good for you. I need to do this. Um, but what you're bringing out of the woodworks is a bunch of people that, uh, haven't been working out. I, for instance, I live in the Northwest, so we have this thriving uh, economy and, and, and job um, availability. We've got Microsoft and Amazon and Google and all these huge tech companies and, that are growing. And so we get all these people coming from India and um, different countries that you know don't grow up with fitness, don't grow up with sports. And they've been sitting, they've been 
you know, taking math classes and, and they've been, they get pushed. Like we push our kids or what we were pushed in athletics. They get pushed to do a test course in math. So they come and they, you know, these are very smart, you know, uh, software engineers and they write programs for all these companies and they come into the gym with zero, like they haven't jumped rope and let alone done a squat or a bench or even know how to lift a kettlebell. So, uh, the good things, the good thing is they're coming in the gym. The bad thing is you're, you're taking them from absolute scratch. These people have no background. And so when you, when you're talking about all these advanced techniques and stuff, I'm cautious to show a lot of this stuff because a lot of the people that come into my gym, a lot of people, I think they're going to a lot of gyms these days throughout the United States. Um, don't have much of a background in, in, in lifting and, and weights and exercise programs and resistance, you know, accommodating resistance. Uh, so, so the caveat is you, you gotta be careful with people and you gotta know, and that even, even more so goes into uh, finding a credible coach, a, a credible trainer that, that has trained all these different people because not everybody's the same and you gotta take everybody individually Um, and that just, that's the same with like training females and males and, you know, people in, in the physique sports, everybody's different, right? Everybody you have to take individually. So, um, it, it's, it's, and and I know I opened up a big can of worms there with, but, but I think you have to kind of talk about that when you're talking about training and talking about applying resistance training programs to people, uh, across the board, because you just get you run the gambit and what you see. The only bands exercises that I would use with general population would be banded good mornings yeah. to try to teach them how to hip hinge. I would do spider crawls if they had shoulder issues. And then I would do pull apart yep. and over and backs if they had shoulder health injuries um, or shoulder health issues. Um, I, outside of yeah. that I, general population are new people in the gym with less than two to three years of experience of hard training or hard for them training. I, I wouldn't touch right. any of this stuff that we're talking about today because they're still learning their bodies yeah. and how it moves biomechanically through space, in my opinion. Right. Um, and not to sound like an one of the th- Go ahead. I'm sorry. One of the things that I've found to be useful is putting the big um, C band that you, you see a lot of the fitness girls squatting and doing jump squats and glute raises with. I find that to be useful to teach people how to fire their glutes. So when, when I get somebody that comes in that shows me, uh, um, when they go down to squat a little bit of a valgus and what I mean by what a valgus is guys is when the knees bow in when you're squatting. So your knees need to stay over the first and second big toes when you're going down to squat. If your knees bow in, um, you, you, you've probably got your muscles aren't sinking your, and you've got um, gluteal amnesia, you're not learning how to fire your glutes. What happens is the quads and, uh, VMOs take over and your knees bow in, um, and, and you, you don't learn how to fire those hip muscles correctly. So when I put people down a band around the the top of their knees, uh, the bottom of their thighs, and then take them up and down just a goblet squat, even before they do back squats, just squatting up and down in that movement they can feel their glutes, uh, and they also keep their knees out, which I, I found has been real beneficial. So I, I will add that one. I, have you used that before? Have you seen that? Yeah, you know, if we can, okay. if we can speak on poor squatting technique, like 
the v- knees driving in or Valgus knee, whatever you want to call that. I, I also call yeah. it like dive bombing to butt wink, um, which is where you just like right. drive like to the ground as fast as humanly possible. And then they like shoot their ass, like tucks under to anterior pelvic tilt. And then they lean yep. forward and they essentially do a good morning to stand up like while their knees yeah. are shooting in. Oh, right. God. We've all seen that. <laughs> that makes that, that makes me fucking cringe. You know, every time I, somebody does anytime that. I see someone do that, I'm like, I just want to go grab them and say, please come with me for the next hour. Um, <laughs> right. Because I want to fix everything. Um, so yeah, I'll tell you how I do that, man, which is really kind of a, an alternate way without putting a band around someone is I put their feet okay. like three inches away from a wall. So where they're staring at a wall in feet, three inches away from it. Um, so they're, meaning their yeah. toes are three inches away. I put them in a squat technique okay. and I say, all right, I need you to squat down to parallel and stand up. So nine times out of 10, their knees are going to hit on that wall and start tracking it cannot come in or you'll fall backwards. If your knees shoot in, you will fall oh. and tip over backwards. You have to push your knees out. And as you squat down, if you aren't dri- actively driving your knees out with your glutes, um, you will right. fall over. And now, listen, I stand behind them with my hand in the middle of their back. So if they lean back and they right. feel my hand, like right where their mid trap is, I'm like, all right, you feel yep. that? And they're like, yes. I'm like, all right, stand up. Let's try that again. As you go down and drive and track your knees out. And they're like, okay, I got you. So then as the, everything that you touched on, you start feeling your glutes work. And you're like, oh, man, I'm actively contracting my glute med and glute max. And, you know, yep. it's it starts to wake up muscle tissue and that starts to fire. Then from there, once they master that, which may take five sets, ten sets, then we go out and we do what you talked about. We give them a kettlebell. We do a goblet squat. If they do that well, then we put a bar on their back. From there, if their knees are still going in at a certain load, that's when I would add the band personally to start making them yeah. actively work against that to where they have you to know force what? That's out. A, Go ahead. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'll, I'll try that technique. I, I don't know that technique. I haven't used it before, but it sounds real solid. Yeah, it, it's, it's all like about to pro- check it out. Yeah, it's all about progression. And the yeah. reason I like that is because when each person graduates to the next step, they feel a sense of accomplishment, right? Um, you know, it didn't like yeah. if you came to me and we were just trying to grow your quads, I don't need to fix your squat technique. If someone comes to me and they don't know what they're doing, like you spoke about earlier, um, th- I want to put them through that progression and I want them to walk away with me saying, man, I accomplished steps th- one through three. I need to work on four through five. And so that way we can have a hard thing to say, okay, here's what you practice on your own when you aren't with me, because they can go home in front of while they're watching TV and do those wall squats. They can pick a, a yeah. you know a gallon jug up and do their goblet squat at their house. They can go into the gym on their own time and practice their back squat um, and focus on knees out, knees out, knees out. And it's just simple coaching cues of the another reason I like that wall is you can't lean forward a lot. You know, if people have weak quads or glutes, they tend to want to lean forward to get their lower back in it. Well, if I put you that close to a wall. You can't lean forward. You have to use your quads to power up out of the hole and in your hamstrings. So that's another cool yeah. technique for you guys who are trainers out there. You know, I learned that through years of fucking up um, in terms of teaching people how to squat. And that took years to figure that little technique out um, to really. Yeah. Th- if you get someone who is completely novice and I don't care if you're a 40 year old female or a 10 um, year old male who's trying to play football for the first time um, in terms of being in the weight room. Those are all, that's a great progression for everyone. Right. You know, that, that, that leads me back to, um, talking about Louis Simmons a little bit. And when we talk about hypertrophy, strength, explosiveness, so kind of getting back to, um, 
how and when to train the muscles, how often you do them, training certain things twice a week, but some things once a week or every on every fourth day. So Louis Simmons actually used to have a rule. His rule was you don't train that same body part for 72 hours. And so that effectively means uh, three days. Uh, so uh, you, you can train something twice a week every six days is basically kind of and and so I like the Odin Forest because every body part has a two time a week focus, but then you're training the other body parts and um, uh, on a like a every five day, I, I guess is kind of how it'd work. Yep. And um, if you go inside of that, if you do, you know, and, and train squats or deadlifts or any compound movements um, and train it again in less than 72 hours on a consistent basis, go heavier, use these techniques. You start getting into, uh, you'll, you'll really start beating the crap out of your body. I don't care how old you are. Um, so I like this rule that he, Louis Simmons used to have with his athletes. Um, and I, I, I think this goes into, if you're training for explosiveness, if you're training for strength, if you're training athletes, uh, in sport, these people are also going to be doing, practicing the skill of the sport. So if they're wrestlers, they're on the mat or BJJ guys are on the mat. If they're fighters, they're fighting. If they're basketball players, they're jumping, um, and, and running up and down courts, football players, they're hitting. So when you're training these athletes, um, you also have to keep in mind if they're doing sports, that these are added demands on the joints and added demands on their systems, recovery systems. So you got to be careful with all how you train them and in what manner you train them preseason, in season, off season. So you, you, you have to specify where you're at in the training cycle during the year um, will dictate how you train them in the weight room and using these techniques. If, you're, if your strength coach has you do the same workout in the all season as you do in season, they're an idiot. Um, <laughs> they're an idiot. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I passionately and a hundred percent wholeheartedly believe that, um, it's not the type, st- same style of training in the football offseason. You aren't getting hit and taking punishment once a week, maximal intensity, and then practice three days a week. That's four days of getting hit. Your body can't withstand the same kind of training that when you're just running conditioning, when your t-shirt and shorts in the off season, it's not the freaking absolutely. same. If you're a wrestler, if, you know, if you're actively live wrestling two to three times a week, 100% full throttle, you cannot train strength in terms of strength training the same as you would in the offseason when you aren't going full bore in competition. Right. You're, something will hurt. Something will get injured. It's just like with bodybuilders. Like, you don't do the same type of lifting the last couple weeks before a show that you would in the heart of your offseason. If you do, that's when you yeah. run, run into risking major, major injury. So, yeah. well, I've... I've that's a that's a whole other topic that you and I can get into later. I'd love that's a cool something cool we could get into. Um, but yeah, in terms of bands and chains, like I, I've kind of found, and, and John saw the exact same um, chains you can do pretty effectively week after week without needing much of a break. Bands, in terms of against the band, meaning not reverse band, but against the band, you can only do that in a perfect world three weeks in a row. Um, without starting to see your, your muscle size go down and your explosive and strength going down. In our opinion, every other week going against the bands is going to be your best bet for growth. 
Um, so yeah. again, I'm going to repeat that one more time. Going against the band every other week is ideal. So if you don't use one of our training programs and you hear this show and you're like, man, I'm going to go grab, grab me some bands from Elite FTS, do not do them every week. Every other week is what we recommend. And I'm talking about every other week for a body right. part. So if you do on, let's say on, on your push day, you do bench press and you use bands. On deadlift day, you use chains and on squats, you use bands. Every other week, you want to alternate that and go just back to your straight bar with regular loaded weights um, because you will start to see negative side effects from a hypertrophy perspective. Now, from a strength perspective, it's very, very different. You can use those every week because you're going to manipulate the percentages that you train with the loaded bar. So in the strength world, in the sports world, it's very, very different than a bodybuilder. So I do want to make that clear delineation between the three. Um, because with sports, yeah. for example, I like to have my guys do vertical jumps with two red bands wrapped around their shoulders. We could do that every week, twice a week, and not have any issues with their knees because they aren't taking much load. Where if we were doing for a bodybuilder, I wouldn't have them do against the band squats twice in a week or tw in the same weeks back to back consecutively. So again, be yeah. smart with your programming, be intelligent with your programming. If you don't know how to do that, reach out to someone who knows how to do that and who has experience with clients. You may not face a downside initially. You may say, you hear me say three weeks in a row maximum, and you're saying, oh man, I did it for four and it was great. But then in that fifth, sixth, seventh week, you will start to see your muscles get smaller and, and weaker. And that's a bad thing for bodybuilders. We don't want that. <laughs> so yeah. if you want to finish, you know, go ahead, man. I, I was just going to say between um, a funny little thing that I, I saw a YouTube video. It was a college football player versus a bodybuilder. Um, and a couple different lifts. So they were doing a, a vertical okay. and this was a big, like offensive lineman type dude. Right. And a mm -hmm. little jacked, like a five foot six, five foot seven bodybuilder. So this guy was a big 300 pound lineman and they did 225 pounds for reps. This, the football player did like something like 22 reps okay. and the little bodybuilder did like 30 plus reps <laughs> right. on and then the little bodybuilder jumped through the fucking roof, man. This guy had some hops and um, the other guy did not. Now, when you get into comparing athletes and bodybuilders in sports-specific moves and you have them do an eye drill, there's lateral movement involved, all bets are off. Yeah. Like you're not, <laughs> it's it, the, you know, a bodybuilder is not going to be able to move really no. quickly <laughs> side to side. No. Um, <laughs> no. But is but as far as actually benching 315 or 225, I would put you against most college players in a 225 rep contest. Oh, right, flat yeah. band. And I bet you, you, I bet you, you could, there'd only be like a, maybe two to 3% of the guys that would even beat you at your age right now right. Um, with what you could do to a 25 for reps, which is the, which is kind of the benchmark for strength in football and how they test. You know, it always amazes me. I, I watch those combines and I'll see like some of the receivers and skill guys like eke out like five, six or seven. And I'm like, you just haven't been practicing, right? <laughs> um, right, right. Or you have super, super long arms. And But listen, any athlete I work with, especially on, on, the, on a football field, we regularly lift 225. Like that uh, punter that I work with, on his pro day at UVA, he hit um, 16 reps with 225 as a punter. Like he did better. That's than, pretty, yeah, that, that's he, not bad. He did better bad. than 70% of the skill guys. Um, now he didn't beat the linemen um, or a couple right. of linebackers. Or the, probably the linebackers. Yeah. yeah. 
he didn't touch those guys, but he beat the receivers, he beat the quarterbacks, and he beat the DBs. And as a punter, yeah. like that's fucking huge. And and listen, when he started with me, like six with two twenty five was hard, but we fucking trained that lift and we trained him to get good. So he, listen, punters normally don't do that. And when he showed up, man, and they have all those, yeah, all thirty one scouts there, and they're like, oh, you're gonna do bench press and they kind of laughed and one of the scouts said how many are you trying to get like three to four and he just laughed and goes yeah <laughs> maybe a couple more oh they were bagging on him too oh, huh dude he would he was getting banged on so he texted me and he goes man yeah. one of the scouts just asked if i get more than three i said i certainly hope you didn't tell him how many you could do and I, we knew he could get above 10 and that's why his agent was like dude if you can do above 10 you need to do it so he got in there all the adrenaline the people were talking shit to him he got fucking 16 reps yeah. and i was like like wow. he was, like, he got so many looks just for that because it he we practiced it and for like the last six months before that uh, pro day we practiced and practiced every week we did two twenty five in some capacity whether that be for max max reps or um, slow negatives or pauses on his chest or with bands or with chains because right. when I wanted it when he went to that combine I wanted him to pick up two twenty five and it was like another day in the gym with me. And when he got there, he was yeah. like, dude, it felt like we've always practiced. And I'm like, exactly. And I think so many of those guys just go unprepared and they think, oh, well, because I run a 4440 or, you know, because I can throw the ball a fucking mile, I don't need to practice that. Like, and to me, that's just showing up unprepared. And, you know, if you guys listen to any of our shit, like, I'm never going to show up for an athletic competition, whether that be bodybuilding, flag football, fucking paintball. I'm going to have practiced. I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no matter what you do, prepare for it. Don't just go in and do shit. <laughs> no, hell, hell no. No, no, no. And I'm not going to just do it because I look cool. Like, if, if I'm going to – listen, if you and I are going to go play flag football, you best believe I'm going to be in the backyard running fucking 40s and shit to prepare for that and throwing right. the ball and catching it running routes. Like, that's just me, and maybe I'm just too hyper-competitive. But um, if you want to if you want to finish this show up, man, what, I'd love to hear what your some of your favorite exercises to do bands or chains with, and then I'll share mine and we can call it a day. Okay, so on bands, I like to do uh, machine stuff. So machine presses, um, hack squats, um, things where I can hook into the machine. Um, I used to do, I used to like doing the big three um, and, and, and do some form of like rack pull or some kind of a deadlift with bands off the floor, um, chains on squats. But now that my joints are a little bit more beat up, I, I, I mostly use the machine stuff, uh, when I use, when I use bands. Um, so that's, I I will put them around. I, I do. I almost do always. Uh, banded good mornings now i use the okay. elite fts um gray band yep. and what i do is to add to add resistance i tricep press it down as i'm coming up out of the good morning oh, cool. so yeah. to add more resistance to it um so those are my <coughs> favorite uh, what are yours okay so you just mentioned one of my favorite exercises which is the gray band good morning um i have a challenge yep. for you guys um the next time you, you're finishing your back day, I want you to get one of those gray bands from Elite FTS. I want you to get to 100 reps. I don't care how many rest pulse wow. sets it takes. Do 100. Yeah. And tell me how you feel when you wake up the next day. Your low back, your glutes, and yeah. your hamstrings will be fucking toast. Um, so I yeah. love that exercise. Another cool way to implement that exercise is to do 10 good mornings with a hard glute squeeze and then go right into dumbbell walking lunges. That's a If you need to bring your glutes up, if you want to dig them out for contest, like... I love that little combo. If if nice. you had to ask me what my favorite exercise to do banded is, 
I would have to say I love reverse band flat bench. That's a cool one. I love, um, like you said, machine chest press that's against the bands. Um, As far as um, the big. I like rows too. Yeah. 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 Rows feel good. Chest supported rows are are cool to do. My absolute favorite thing to do on this whole planet is spatter bar chain squats. Um, They're amazing. I love them. Nothing I can think, say, in my mind has made my quads, hamstrings, and glutes grow more than that. Um, I loved high rep um, chain deadlifts. Um, so if I had to name my favorites, that's it. Now in my world that I that I live with a fucked up back and can't do those, reverse band hack squats are probably my go-to leg mass gainer um, because it's safe for my yeah. low back. It makes my knees feel good. I can go heavy as shit on it. So those are my favorite. Nice, man. Hey, guys. For Chris Edmonds, I'm Greg Jones. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio.